Hey everybody, Sunday night, 27th of March. Get this posted so you guys can uh, eat breakfast tomorrow morning listening to it. You can have breakfast with Bill with breakfast with Bill. Uh, I bought some sausage tonight. It was actually on sale and had a uh, 50 cent off instant coupon. And uh, th- those, those of you that know me know that, uh, you know, there's really one type of meat and that's beef. Uh, and that's it, you know, and I like really, really good beef, and we raise some really, really good beef. Uh, those of you that don't know, my wife's got her meat broker's license. She's got her own business. She sells it off in pieces. People just love it. Um, the, the last couple of days, she hasn't even been having to really push it, and people, I, I think people are a little bit stocking up, but partly... Um, you know, she's gotten, you know, you get to that certain size where you got enough customers where the stuff just kind of moves on its own, uh, because people like the, um, quality and, uh, you know, the price that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a certain group of people that one, the price doesn't really matter. They, they can afford it. And then two, um, there's other people that figure out ways to, to afford it. Because that's what they want. They want really, really high quality, top quality meat. But unconditional surrender. That's what I'm talking about today is unconditional surrender. Um, You know, Biden said Putin has to go. Where's he going to go? Where's he going to go that he feels safe? Where where are the people that are backing him as top generals, other people going to go with him that they're going to feel safe? Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not I'm not. Putin Putin was dumb. Uh, of course, part of it I I really do believe that if Putin was going to put quote unquote Greater Russia back together, he had to move and he had to move now. And I think that now whether that was a false flag thing in Kazakhstan or or maybe it was the Kazakhstan uh, outfit trying to raise up before. You know, Putin and them, you know, attacked Ukraine, or maybe they thought they were busy over there in Ukraine. Not, not quite sure, but I, I think there's a lot of dynamics at work here. Um, I think, I think Putin probably knew that the demographics are against him. You know, Russia's getting old. Um, young, there's just not a lot of young people there. Um, you know, let's face it, uh, Southeast Asia, whether it's China or, or the other countries there are going to end up populating Siberia because that's the only people you're going to have to go work there because the the, the Russian population's getting old it's not reproducing it it's dying off early uh, life expectancy isn't as long and and the numbers as as they say just don't add up plus i think putin knew a lot of his support equipment was getting old getting long in the tooth it was old soviet stuff you know, it, it's it's twenty or thirty years old. Um, you know, getting to the end of its lifetime. You know, you use it now or never. But I don't think his I don't think his soldiers are really motivated to go into Ukraine and take a big fight into the Ukraine. And and I I really do believe too. I I, I truly truly believe that Putin and the top uh, Russian leadership really thought. That the Ukrainian people, you know, this color revolution that happened in Kiev that threw out the guy that got elected, that was their guy, um, and replaced with, you know, the, the, the new guy, 
I really think they think that there was a lot of people in Ukraine that wanted them to do that. I think there was a lot of of uh, Russian-speaking people, people, ethnic Russians, that I think they thought would welcome being back in Mother Russia. You know, I find it interesting that the, that mayor of Kiev, you know, he's a former uh, what heavyweight boxing champion, and, and he talks about, you know, his dad's Ukrainian, his mother's Russian. I'm half Russian, but I'm fighting for a, few, a free Ukraine. I don't want to be part of Russia. I want to be part of Ukraine. And I think there was a major miscalculation by the Kremlin, and partly, too, maybe people just telling people up above what they wanted to hear and not how it actually was. Because if you told them how it actually was, they would blame you, get mad at you, not promote you, not do whatever. But if you told them what what they wanted to hear or... You know, in the old Soviet days, make up the statistics to to make them add up what they needed to add up. Well, you get promoted, you get liked, you you you're, you know, you get a better house to live in. I mean, the whole the whole deal. But unconditional surrender, and and, and I'm going to say some controversial things that's going to upset some people. But but let's go back to World War Two. And I'm thinking more of Europe than Asia because, I mean, the Japanese were doing the kamikaze. The Japanese, you know, the emperor, the, the whole, the whole, the whole warrior mentality culture. And, and not that Germany didn't have it. I mean, I, I, I like to say that, you know, Germany twice in the last century tried to prove they were the best people in Europe and failed miserably both times. And then finally, we kind of took over and and brought the, brought them got them back up on their feet. And, and you know what one thing one thing about the Marshall Plan, um, you know I think we spent probably a lot more money in Germany and Japan than we did helping our ally Britain get back on her feet. And and partly Britain's never really recovered since, and and, the, and they were the lone country fighting, you know the superpower. You know, Germans for what over a year, and and at that time the Russians were with the Germans. You know, I find it interesting that you know at the at the beginning of World War Two, um, before Hitler jumped off in Barbarossa into Russia, Russia had actually invaded more countries than Germany had. You know, Finland, Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, um, Estonia, Romania. Um, and, and of course, that 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 invasion of Romania is how we get Moldova, and then there's that Transnistrian or something like that that that's kind of split off. I mean, well, as one person told me, when you get down, especially in the Balkans, um, there's a different clan, different regime, every valley. Go up over that mountain range, come down into the valley. That's a, that's a different bunch. You go up over the next, you know, hill and go back down to that valley. That's another bunch, and and a lot of them don't like each other. You know, ancient, ancient, ancient. I mean, you got re, you got religion mixed in there too. But back to unconditional surrender. And the Roosevelt administration had a number of people that really, really wanted to punish these countries, and I get that. But they also leaked some stuff. And, and the problem that, that I see with unconditional surrender, and I'll use World War II as an example, you know, there's a good chance in, in mid to late 44, if the 
German generals knew there was a deal, they more than likely, I think, would have made a deal with the British and the Americans if we could have, like, guaranteed their, their safety. At what, what is it? Is it the Oder River or whatever that's kind of the border between Poland and Germany? Now, we were allied with Russia, and I think at the time we were also thinking to invade Japan because we didn't know if the atomic bomb was going to work at this time or not. That we were going to need the Russian blood, we were going to provide them with with you know the armaments and that, but we were going to need Russia to knock them out of Manchuria, northern China, and Korea, kind of like the Russians did anyway at the end of the war, and, and p- part of that was made possible because Japan had hollowed out their Manchurian army so much to bring the troops back to the homeland, to bring the troops back to Japan. You know, we got to protect the the home country and the emperor. So, you know, when when the Russians made those lightning advance for like two weeks at the end of the war, it was partly because the Japanese had taken all their best troops and moved them back to to the home islands, mainly to the main island, mainly, you know, around Tokyo to protect the emperor. So, you know, I'm not quite sure if that thinking... You know that we needed that Soviet blood to 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 beat them was was accurate, but it's always a lot easier in hindsight too. And like I said, nobody knew if the atomic bomb was going to work. You know, we were taking massive casualties in March of '45 on Okinawa. Uh, They're fighting in the Philippines. You know, MacArthur was still trying to clear out the Philippines at the time. You had all those kamikaze attacks on on all those navy ships. But back to unconditional surrender. When you basically leaked that we were going to, you know, give them no terms, give them no quarter, not going to do anything to them, or not, I mean, for them, we're going to do everything to them, then those German generals are like, well, we're going to die anyway. We're going to go down swinging, and we're going to take as many of them with us as we can, and we're going to make this really difficult and oh, by the way, we're not, you know, a couple people have tried before and, and failed a number of attempts on Hitler's life, but we're not going to try to take him out. Or, or, or you know, at, at the time, you know, they probably could have just isolated him. They, you know, not quote unquote take him out, but just isolated in the bunker and just took over. But. You know, everybody knew that, you know, you would be executed by the by the Gestapo very, very quickly. But yet, you know, when, when the Americans leaked that it was going to be unconditional surrender and the terms were not going to be very good, uh, those German generals, I think, felt, quote-unquote, they had no options except fight her to the end, fight, fight her to death. You know, death or victory. And we, and you know, we did the unconditional surrender with the Japanese, but I actually think that was maybe a little different deal. But yet, once again, uh, and and you know what, we ended up really kind of cutting a deal at the end and allowing the emperor to live. And you know, MacArthur. I mean, you know, who knows what was said back channel wise, you know, through you know Switzerland or whatever. Um. But but I but I look at when you say unconditional surrender, you tell the other guy, go ahead and push the nuclear button, or use chemical weapons, or use, 
you know, tactical nukes. And I don't think Putin is going to probably, you know, usher in right now anyway, um, nuclear Armageddon. But Russia talks about, you know, to maintain their integrity, um, they can use technical nuclear warheads, which is basically, you know, maybe a, a, a warhead on an a artillery shell, a small warhead on a cruise missile, on a, on a, you know, not an ICBM, not an intercontinental ballistic missile, but just a short-range missile. Um, and, you know, you, you hear all the stories, don't know whether they're true. You know, there's a lot of propaganda in war and everything else. Uh, if, if, um, you know, if the Russian soldiers' hearts literally aren't in this thing, and they're, 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 for lack of a better word, going soft on fighting, uh, you know, one, one way to, one way to stiffen them up is to, to, to nuke a group of, uh, you know, Ukrainian military people, and uh, then pretty much put it out to your own troops, fight, or the same thing going to happen to you. Um, and I think they're probably doing that right now with, with their with their you know secret police. Um, yeah, you know, um, the, during World War Two, that was you know Stalin's infamous deal. You know, is you put soldiers out front, and then you had other soldiers behind them to make sure those soldiers advanced. Go watch the movie Enemy at the Gates, which I think is a pretty accurate portrayal of, of that. You know, every other soldier got a gun because, well, in the first assault, half of he's going down anyway. So after the first 15, 20 minutes, everybody, if you take the guys who died gun, everybody's going to have a gun. <sighs> but, and I'm not saying give in to Putin. I'm not saying... Um, you know, uh, give give away the store here or anything else. What I'm getting at is that Putin has no good options to end this thing. Then he's going to fight on. He's going to throw more resources into it. He's going to bomb more civilians. He's going to, um, uh, you know, bring more troops in, maybe try to bring more mercenaries in. Because this is about his survival now. I mean, when when Biden said what he said, you know, and, well, that's just Biden being Biden. And, and you know what? Biden has said stupid stuff his entire political career. But, you know, they were so scared to death of Trump, uh, they put the guy in there that actually does say crazy stuff. Maybe it's by design, though, too. I mean, I, I don't know. But, and, and so how does this affect agriculture? If Putin doesn't have a way out, Putin continues to fight. Putin continues to grind. Putin continues to escalate. Putin continues to push. Putin continues to use every resource he can. And those people around him, the, the, the top generals, the secret police, his inner circle... These oligarchs that have lost all their money. I mean, uh, you know, the Russian people. If they think they got no way out. 
And I and I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, we're going to help these Ukrainians do what we can do, but a uh, couple of weeks the Russians are going to run over them, and and maybe the Ukrainians break buckle and 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 go the other way. But um, you know, it looks like or at least around Kiev, the the Russians are digging in now. You know, the the World War One digging trenches stalemate period is coming about. It looks like that the, that the Ukrainians have pushed them back in a few areas. The, the Russians are still advancing in a few areas. And it appears now that maybe the Russians are saying, well, we just want those two eastern provinces and we'll go away. And I, I do not believe the Ukrainians are going to give them them because I don't think the Ukrainians think they're going to go away. And let's face it, too, the Ukrainians gave up nuclear weapons um, and Bill Clinton and was it, I think probably Yeltsin at the time signed the agreement saying, well, we'll protect Ukraine. Well, we we didn't. But if they had those weapons, I don't think Russia would have made the move. And, and don't and, and believe me, every country out there that doesn't have them is now trying to figure out a way to have them. And I think that's one reason why the international communities come out, especially, you know, the the United States, the Great Britain, you know, the, the, the those, those types of countries have come out to support the Ukrainians so much, is everybody's going to want to have a nuke because then if you got nukes, yeah, the big boys maybe not going to do anything to you. You know, why do you think the Iranians and why do you think Saddam Hussein was all trying to get the bomb? Because if they got the ability to throw the big bomb, that changes the equation. But yet, we got a guy now that's got the ability to throw the big bomb, little bombs, in-between bombs, lots of bombs. Um, and we basically said, yeah, he's just got to go. Go where? Like I said, who's going to take him in? Who's going to protect him? Um, you know, and, and are we going to sanction whoever takes him in? Let's say China takes him in. Are we going to sanction China? That and that 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 provides some some um, interesting, real interesting uh, things for the world. Because if we sanction them, and and China needs our food, and I mean, don't get me wrong, they're going to get a whole bunch of it from South America, but it looks like they still need a chunk of ours if Ukraine's not in the picture. But does a uh, does a quote unquote free not not at war or war any longer Ukraine then sell to China, who we sanctioned because Putin's there? Interesting, interesting. I mean, what a tangled web we weave. So let's say Putin goes to Iran. Is he gonna feel safe there? Um, you know, there's probably somebody that lost somebody in Syria or Afghanistan to the Russians. Um, I don't think any Western country is going to take him in. You know, does he go to South Africa? And if he goes to South Africa, if you're Putin, do you worry? Yeah, they get a better deal from somebody else. They're going to turn me in. I mean, I you know, um, I don't think this is the time to be saying things like, yeah, that person's got to go. Go where? Do what? That's going to make him fight on harder. That's going to make him not come to the negotiation table to negotiate when they know their own necks on the line. 
And like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be soft. I'm fully supporting the Ukrainians. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic what they've been able to do, and I think it shows too that um, even with air power, even with armor tanks. Um, the Ukrainians, with, without air power and without a lot of tanks, they've been able to use these sophisticated drones and these tank missiles, these anti-tank missiles. Kind of a little bit of a fire and forget. You kind of paint the picture with a, with a it looks like a TV camera or a screen or whatever. You kind of paint the picture. That thing sees what it's going after, and it 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 guides itself. Boom. Um. And and the thing is, you know, if if the Russian and Ukrainian casualties that that I'm hearing are are anywhere near, even half of what they say, the modern battlefield's a pretty damn dangerous place to be. And I think that's part of the motivation here. Um, you know, you look at what we did in both Iraq wars. Uh, we lost some troops, but, you know, in, in, in the second time into Iraq, we lost, it looks like to me, a lot more troops trying to hold the place than we did taking the place. And, and the first time, we didn't lose many troops at all going into Iraq. Well, liberating Kuwait, we didn't go that far into Iraq. Um, and probably if we'd have went farther, you know, the closer you get to the capital city, the stiffer it gets. But, you know, that, that uh, you know, kind of... Um, super highway of death, you know, where they caught all those cars and stuff leaving Kuwait out in the open and just, whew, that was our air power. But the Russians are struggling with the air power. Of course, you know, you kind of wonder what, what we've given them, what they got, what they know. Or is the Russian military just that inept? You know, the, you know, you got to remember the the Iraqis were equipped with pretty much the same basic equipment that the Russians are fighting with now, and they didn't stand up to our stuff that well. Is our stuff that much better? And then the question is, how much of the Chinese improved on what the Russians got, or how much of that old Russian type stuff did the Chinese have? Which changes some equations out there in some people's minds. Um. But unconditional surrender, telling, telling Biden he doesn't have, or Biden telling Putin that Putin doesn't have a lot of options, even though they walked it back. Um, that probably means we're going to see higher grain prices. That probably means we're not going to see as much fertilizer coming out. That probably means, quote unquote, the chaos that's been going on in the agricultural world extends into the 23 uh, year. And I can tell you... Um, I'm pretty much locked in, except I my diesel fuel is going to cost me an arm and a leg, and and arm and a leg, and the other leg and the other arm. I mean, it's it's, whew, diesel fuel's high, and then this herbicide's going to be high, but it all pales in comparison because we got you know we put on anhydrous and dry fertilizer last fall last summer prices really. Uh, and now, and now, oh boy, we look at what we got coming down the road here for 23, 
And if this thing prolongs, you know, a, a, um, an agronomist who does a lot of running around, uh, um, well, I call it Central Asia, Southern or Eastern Europe, you know, Poland, uh, Hungary, Czech, Slovak, Romania, Bulgaria, Ukraine, and Russia, even into the Caucasus. Of course, he hasn't been in Ukraine and Russia for a while. Uh, but he used to farm over there, was a farm manager, and then he's become a a, a, a kind of consultant that goes around, looks at the crops, and then has customers that, you know, tells him. And he, he tweets a lot. And he basically said there's enough damage done that if the war ends today, they're really not going to get exports going until September. So that's April, May, June, July, August. That's five months. And if you don't give Putin a way out, and he continues to bomb the infrastructure and bomb these ports because he can't take them, so we're just going to destroy them, that's that much more time. And I think one of the things that we're missing out on, too, is the labor aspect of this. Wife and kids went to Poland. Poland's got a better economy than Ukraine. There's a lot of countries around the world that's just like us. They're looking for labor. Well, dad, because, you know, everybody between, you know, what was it, 18 and 60 or, you know, 16 and 60 or whatever age it was, had to stay and fight. Well, dad stayed and fight or he was at a critical business that had to stay in Ukraine, but the wife and kids went to Poland. Well, when this thing, when this fighting stops, where do you think dad's going? He's probably going to go to Poland or resettle someplace else, you know, where... You know, we're taking a lot of refugees out of Poland in the United States ourselves, and, and I think we should. Um, you know, displaced persons is not good to have them out wandering around. You want to get a displaced person placed. But when the thing's over, the, the, the you know, the husband and the father probably comes and joins the wife and kids, and that means you don't have that much labor in Ukraine. So I think Ukraine's got a labor problem and then can they get the diesel fuel can they get you know the roads fixed can they get the ports fixed can you know the, you know you hear that the russians are supposedly mining the the farm fields just kind of randomly so you're maybe not going to do anything if you think there may be a mine out there you know so you're gonna have to wait for the mine detector guys to drive over the whole farm to find out if there's just you know one or two put out there i mean this changes the equation so much but yet we're not giving the other opponent, quote unquote, a way out. If you and maybe Ukraine's not winning. Maybe that's maybe that's why we said what we said because you know you don't have to worry about Putin going anywhere because we say that because we you know and, and let's face it, the president should have more. Okay, how do I put this? He doesn't have more intelligence because I don't think the guy's the smartest guy in the the room. Uh, he has more information given him to him than any of the rest of us have. And hopefully he's got some smart people that can interpret this information for him and, and get it down to, God knows with Kamala, we're probably going to have to to uh, crank it down to, to, to get it to fit in. But, um, you know, th this, this thing is, is damn scary. And supposedly we got the adults in the room and the, the pros and everything else, but boy, they've sure acted like amateurs on some things they've said.
Unless it's all designed for consumption that way. You know, and let's face it, the Dems are looking for, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You know, they're looking for, you know, the Winston Churchill moment or the, the, the Margaret Thatcher moment on Falkland Islands. I forget what her famous quote is, but there's one out there. You know, Zelensky's done pretty good running around talking to these, or not running around, but Zooming around, probably doing it on Zoom or whatever, you know, video conferencing with these parliaments around the world. And he's pretty much invoked, you know, their their quote-unquote favorite son or daughter with their famous line. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do here in Ukraine. But the agricultural impact, folks, if you don't give Putin a way out, Putin's Putin's way out is he has to win or or prolong the suffering so much that we do give him a way out and make a deal. But when we say he's got to go, well, and he doesn't want to go or he doesn't have a place to go to, um, you know, he becomes a lot more dangerous person. And I don't think we want him any more dangerous than he is right now. Doesn't mean we don't want to win. And, and and I think too, you know, if the if the Russian thing completely collapses, soldier wise, and you know they they continue to lose these generals and stuff, um, you know, what does Putin do? I think I think you got to really think about that. Because this, this could, wow, be crazy, crazy, crazy deal. Well, hey, there's a huge impact in agriculture here, folks, just because of the amount of grain that you just Ukraine by itself exports. And then you throw Russia into the deal. And then you throw that, that you know, a lot of countries that are poor and struggle to feed their their people didn't listen to Joseph and save up in the seven fat years for the seven lean years. Just in time delivery, folks. I'm telling you, it's the same way with parts and everything else. Of course, we turned that all over to the bean counters too. I could I could dive off onto that for a long time. You know, we we can buy we can buy the, this little piece of the fuel pump cheaper from supplier. B in different country than supplier A. So for 25 cents, we switch because we sell so many of these engines that'll make us this much money. But now the implement dealer's got to carry two switches or two pieces or whatever instead of one. And it becomes cost prohibitive to carry all those parts. So we'd start doing just-in-time delivery. And then, you know, we have computer problems. We have electrical problems. We have a trucker strike. We have whatever and then you're driving 600 miles to get a repair. Wow. But I'm, I'm just saying that, that the effect on this thing, if if we truly, our position is that, you know, we're not going to get Putin away out of this deal. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, give him a whole bunch of stuff to save face. I'm, I'm probably just saying you you can go back to Moscow with your tail between your legs. Um, and that's about it. But if you, if you don't even give him that option, then, then he's, his two options are fight it out to the death 
or fight it out so long that it hurts so bad that, that we throw in the towel too and finally give you an out. And neither one of those are, are in my mind, um, well, they're scary. Those, those are scary options with a guy that's got a finger real close to a nuclear button. And that would be a podcast about how that's going to change agriculture. Uh, we'll talk to you guys, gals, again. Just just be thinking about this. Unconditional surrender is not always the best option. Um, and, and one last thing. I mean, you don't want to make an armistice like, you know, like Europe did at the end of World War One, where all you did was make it where the, the vanquished wanted to become the victor so bad they, you know, jumped into World War Two. Of course, I'm not really sure if it was World War One and World War Two. I just think it was one world war with a 20-year armistice in the middle of it. I think you could look at it that way. Well, hey, smartest audience in agriculture. Have breakfast tomorrow. Uh, breakfast with Bill. Thanks for listening.